This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 1st, 2015. Blessed when you're yourself and focused on God. Well, good morning, Connection Church. So is the men's retreat over or did you just skip out early? It's over. I'm glad you came. Awesome. Welcome back. Well, my man came back last night so that he could be here this morning. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's pretty cute up there on that screen, too. Downright adorable. (laughs) What's that? Downright adorable. Yeah, you are. Downright adorable. So, my name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for this day that you've made and the way that you've kind of called us, whether we recognize it as a call or not, to be here with you today in community here at church. So God, um, thank you for this time that we have to focus on your scripture, on the Beatitudes, open our hearts, that we might receive something that we can take with us that our hearts are changed and transformed. I pray this in your name. And everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. So the Beatitudes, the uh, (laughs) series of statements in which Jesus tells us how God blesses us in the midst of life circumstances that seem at first to be uh, anything but a blessing. A series of statements is a uh, part of a larger teaching that Jesus shared that we generally call the Sermon on the Mount. You find it in Uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew, which is in the second part of the Bible, a part called the New Testament. So we challenged everybody last week to read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now's the test, right? Okay, if you've done that, awesome. Read it again, because I guarantee you the Lord will speak in a different way this week. You'll hear (laughs) something, read something that you didn't notice last week. If you didn't get it read, do it this week, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So let's jump right in. We're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, and we're using the message version. It's a paraphrase of scripture by Eugene Peterson. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Okay, this seems like we've gone a little too far now. Content with just who you are. Isn't that contrary to everything we've ever been taught? You know, be all you can be, make something of yourself, just think of your possibilities. What's this business about being content? What's this no more, no less business? What are we, Daryl, that we talking about this morning? You know, it seems contrary actually to our life as card-carrying Americans. That's all I'm going to say. It's the land of the free, home of the brave, place where you can be anybody you want to be. How in the world does that line up with you're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less? Let's start with the definition of content. You'll see on the screen that content means mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. <coughs> it also means pleased because one has got what one wants or needs. You see, contentment really comes from our level of expectations, expectations that we have 
in this situation or in that situation or of one another or our circumstance. If our expectations are too high, then whatever it is does not measure up to what we think it should be or who that person should be. If they're too low, there's also an issue there where things just don't measure up. We might have a mega letdown. So we need to really carefully gauge our expectations. There's a comedian, I know many of you have heard of him, and I hesitate on quoting him, but it's George Carlin, and he talks about uh, how some people see a glass half full, and others see the glass half what? Empty, absolutely. Well, Carlin says that you just need to get the right size glass, and then you know things will be in line. You see our expectations would be met, if we have the right size glass, it's all in the glass picking and our expectations and what we're looking for. Mm. And so contentment isn't the, uh, in the results as much as it's in the expectations. What are you expecting? What do you expect from God? What do you expect from your spouse? What do you expect from your kids? What do you expect from your extended family, from your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers? What do you expect from your job? What do you expect from your church? What do you expect from your leisure time activities? What do you expect from yourself? Do you have realistic expectations? Do you, do you have God-centered, other people-centered expectations? Or are your expectations all focused on you? Is it all about you? Let's take a look at the version of this beatitude that many of us might be familiar with. It's the NIV. Uh, scripture of Matthew 5 5 say it with me blessed are the meek for they will inherit mm -hmm. the earth okay so now we're blessing the meek what are we in mamby pamby land here come on the meek doesn't that make this when you hear that word meek doesn't that just seem like uninspiring doesn't that just seem like I don't know maybe it's, it rhymes with that other word starts with W weak don't you often think of weak when you think of meek? Well, here the truth is, meek is anything but weak. Anything but weak. In the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, it was written originally in Greek. And the word uh, in Greek for weak is praus, P-R-A-U-S. Let's take a look at what that means. It means positive moral quality of dealing with people in a what kind of manner? Kind manner, in, with humility and consideration. That sounds kind of good to me, don't you think? It also means gentle and submissive. This idea of submissive or submission is not what we often think of today in terms of submission when we think of that as someone allowing themselves to be taken advantage of as they submit to the authority of someone else's. Bible scholar William uh, Barclay shares, this kind of, uh, this kind of uh, submission may be more like um, where an animal is domesticated, trained to be obedient, learns to respond to being reined in, to being redirected, or, and our knee weakness then comes not from, um, from um, another person reining us in, but allowing God to reign us in. It's when we submit to God's authority, when we allow God to, 
to rein us in, to redirect us when we are obedient to God, obedient to God's call on our life. That's the submission we're talking about here. With this in mind, the, the Beatitude might read something like, blessed are those who are completely surrendered to God. Well, in addition, when we are meek, there is an absence of pride. An absence of pride, there's true humility. So that word pride, there's a letter right smack dab in the middle of it. What is it? I. And pride, really, when we have great pride in a, in a negative way, it's really focused on ourselves. And when we have pride, it's like we have this, I am self-sufficient, I don't need anyone, I am fine just like I am. Um, I know it all, no one can teach me, that's, that's prideful. How many people do you know that may be unteachable? Wow, I think being teachable is quite a virtue, actually. So when we are meek, we have this realization that we have a need for God. Like there's this hole that can only be filled by God. And some of us are here at church today because we recognize that we have this need for God. And some of us here are exploring what that's all about and how that applies to our lives. And we're so glad that everyone's here, no matter where we all are on the journey. We can truly be humble. We can only be humble, actually, when we realize and accept the fact that we are creatures. We are created by God. God creator, we are his created. Without God, we can do nothing. Without God, we wouldn't be here. We can choose to believe that or not, but that's how it is. That's the truth. And another way of putting this is, is that um, God never thinks he's us, and we think that we're God. That's the big difference here. Only when we're able to realize God's authority, when we're able to put ourselves in the proper relationship with God and with one another, hopefully that will result in leading a life of contentment, which brings us back to our scripture this morning. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. Mm. Have you ever known anybody who fits that description? Content with just who they are, no more, no less? Mm. It's kind of cool. Of, several years ago, I was at a, a family funeral, extended family funeral, I had a conversation with a cousin. I don't know this cousin real well. I, about the only time I see him is at these kinds of occasions, family funerals. But anyway, somehow we were in a, a conversation that day. And in the midst of the conversation, he mentioned to me that, um, that what he remembered most about my father, and I don't think he'd seen my father on that many occasions. That's the interesting part. What he remembered most was that my dad always seemed very content with his life to this cousin, who he was, uh, what he did. And you know, I, I, that's kind of stuck with me ever since. At, at the time, up to that point, I'd never really thought about it, dad being particularly content. Uh, 
But once he, he said it, I, I recognized what he was talking about. Sure, there, there were times when Dad, like anybody, complained about work and that kind of thing. And, and there were definitely times when he was not content with Alan not taking the trash out every day after school. Can you still hear? Up. Huh? Alan? Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> anyway, um, and there were things, you know, of course, Dad wanted and dreamed about and that kind of thing. But, but he was very content. Uh, here's a guy who had left... Uh, school at 16, 10th grade, went to work, basically went on his own at 16, and um, always had had fairly labor-type job, worked in a factory, a couple of factories, had uh, actually, way back out of school, delivered milk from a horse-drawn milk wagon, had uh, uh, delivered oil, house-house oil, clean carpets. Uh, later in life, he drove a shuttle bus for the University of Delaware. I mean, he wasn't climbing that corporate ladder. He wasn't striving. He's just a regular guy who went to work every day, earned a living, loved his family, loved his wife, loved his kids, and was very, very content with who he was, what he did. And, you know, there's some real, um, there's just some real joy in just being content with, with, with who you are. No more, no less. Um, to be at peace. The question for you today is, um, how about you? How about you? Are, are you content with just who you are? No more, no less. Something to think about. So let's take a look at the second half of that beatitude. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Now this seems kind of an odd translation that Peterson has of the scripture using the word proud here just to describe what an owner would be since contentment and meekness really is the opposite of pride. So it's kind of odd. A proud owner who is content or meek would be someone who owns not the typical things that we think about when you're a proud owner. He's not talking about being the proud owner of this, you know, certain house or this certain car or this certain boat or certain collectibles or antiques or whatever we, we accumulate. But what he's talking about is stuff that can't be bought. Relationships joy, character, character can't be bought, freedom, virtues like faith and, and hope and compassion and courage. That's what Peterson's talking about in this scripture. Content means not having to strive for stuff more and more and this and that because that will complete us. That is not what Peterson is saying. He is saying that one is content when one is able to receive what God has given us as a blessing, as a gift, and live our life as a thank you note to God. That's true contentment, recognizing and living a life of gratitude wherever God's placed us, whatever God's given us, whoever God's put in our lives. And we're able to focus on God because when we focus on God and we're content with God, we have it all. Hmm. And that brings us to the second beatitude that we're going to look at this morning. 
the fourth in the series that Matthew uh, offers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Pairs nicely with that Beatitude 3 that we just covered. You know, when we're meek, when we are content with just who we are, that's at the point that then we're able to not focus on ourselves, but we're able to focus on God. It's then that we're able to have a good appetite for God, as we see here. As we're doing with each of these, let's take a look at the more traditional translation. might be a little more familiar to you. Matthew 5, 6 from the NIV. Say it with me, will you? Blessed are those, those who, who hunger and thirst, and thirst for righteousness, righteousness, for they, they will, be, will filled. be filled. This image of God, our appetite for God, and this metaphor that he's our food and drink is an image, is a metaphor that we see throughout Scripture that Jesus claims that he is bread. He is our sustenance. He describes himself a number of times in scripture as food and drink. Last night I had the privilege of coming here and hanging with some kids who had spent 30 hours not eating because what they were trying to do is experience what hunger is all about. And, you know, that's really hard, I think, for all of us, but especially for a middle school and high school kid to go without food for 30 hours. I mean, it was huge. Are there any kids here who did that? Or adults who were with them. Or adults who did it? Yeah. Okay, I see you. A lot of them are in Sunday school right now. But I came in last night, and they were sitting here waiting, and... And I know in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I'm going to get spaghetti like in a half an hour and finally be able to eat. But I have to say that they were so present to the moment when I walked in because what I was sharing with them was their first meal after 30 hours was bread and juice, Holy Communion. And I did some teaching, and I used this scripture. I said, listen carefully. I'm going to be talking. We're going to be talking about bread uh, being, taking Christ in, the bread of life. We're so proud of our youth and the adult leaders who helped with that. They raised about $2,500 to fight hunger. That will feed six kids for a year. Wow. Let's just give God the glory on that. Yeah, And we have an opportunity to continue to participate. There are some envelopes if you'd like to contribute to that. But what I also said to them is, you know, what they did was great work and raising the money to feed the hungry. But what we're really, uh, what means the most to us and what's most important to us, and I know to you, is that they receive Christ in their heart as the bread of life that he is life. And I honestly believe that many of them got that and understood that. And I just praise God for that. So we find um, a reference of Jesus talking about uh, the bread. John chapter 6, he describes, he declares to his disciples, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Hmm. You know, this idea of bread we see a lot through Scripture, especially the use of it as a metaphor. Jesus, um, as he began his ministry, was led out to the, to the desert by the Holy Spirit. And he was tempted by Satan out there. Now, he was out there for 40 days. He had fasted, gone without food for the whole 40. He was tired. He was hungry. You always got to be careful when you're tired and hungry because that's when Satan's going to attack. Tired, hungry, angry, lonely. He was definitely tired and hungry. Satan says, hey, why don't you turn these stones? I'm sure they were kind of kind of looked maybe even a little bit like loaves of bread, certain shaped stones, color. Why don't you turn those stones into loaves of bread? You can do it. Have yourself a meal. Satisfy that hunger. That would be tempting, wouldn't it? It would be tempting for us if we had that kind of power, turn those stones into bread. Instead, Jesus turned to Scripture. And he turned to the Old Testament, to Deuteronomy, in which it talks about, uh, about bread. Like I said, bread kind of is a thread that runs through Scripture. And here's what he said. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Wow. So over and over and over again, we see in Scripture that our basic sustenance in life, our basic nourishment is not the daily bread that we eat, but it is instead God. It is the relationship in Jesus Christ. Yes, bread is, is the focal point. It's something that's so common. Everybody has bread. It's been the staple of meals for you know centuries. And so it's what Jesus used to show an important point in the Last Supper in Holy Communion, that he is the bread. He took something so common, and each time we eat it, we remember him. He pointed out how it was so important to take, to eat the bread, how it's so important to have the relationship with him through his Father, and that he alone is our sustenance. He is our sustenance. Jesus is the bread of life, and without Christ, life just is empty. Mm. And we remain hungry, so to speak, without taking in the bread of life. Mm. If we dial back two chapters earlier in this book of John, we, we see where Jesus uses another wonderful a metaphor, another wonderful image. He's discussing with a woman, having a discussion with a woman at the well in the middle of town. And they're talking about this water in the well, and he says to her that whoever drinks the water that he gives will never thirst. Wow, <laughs> she, she gets pretty interested in that. <laughs> of course, she's taking him literally at first. He says then the water he gives will become a spring that wells into eternal life. See, Jesus is this living water. Isn't that a great image? Water is just so much a part of life. I mean, it's three-quarters of the globe. It's 70% of our bodies. It's uh, babies in the womb. Water's everywhere. It's just everything that lives requires water. And Jesus uses that image, and he said it's through Jesus 
this eternal life, through him and him alone that we find the true, true life that we have, life that never ends, life that is forever, eternity. And we, we will be with God then forever and, and ever and ever and ever. Wow. And so our scripture, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. And so we're able to work up a good appetite for God when we're able to spend time focusing on God rather than on ourselves, when, when we are content with who we are, when we realize that it is God and God alone through Jesus Christ who satisfies our true hunger, our hunger for a relationship with the one who created us, the one who desires to be in relationship with us so much that he allowed his son to die for us so that we might be able to realize that relationship not just for a day or two, but for eternity and realize that eternity can start right now. We don't have to wait till we take our last breath, but eternity can begin right now. You know, and that Jesus helps us to realize that he, we said before that he loves us just like we are, but way too much to leave us there. So we might be content, but he certainly is going to help us to be closer to what God imagined when God first thought of us. The truth is, we all have this appetite for God. We might not identify that, but we do because we've been created by God who put this kind of hole in our soul and we try to fill that hunger, that yearning up with all kinds of things. Oh, if I do this, it's gonna, my life will be complete or if I get this or if I have this relationship or if I'm loved by this person, you know, I've got it all. And so we just keep trying to put all this stuff in and a lot of it's, it's good, but we will always be hungry and thirsty until we fill that hole in our soul with the relationship with the one who created us, God the Father, his son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And you know, life, is, life goes on and we have all kinds of challenges, but when we recognize our need for God, that hole in our soul. The dark is never as dark. And we have this sense that we're never truly alone again. And that's really such a gift to be able to have this, this filling. So no matter what obstacles, what challenges we have, we know that we can overcome because Christ has already done the work and overcome for us by giving his very life. And so God wants us desperately to claim that relationship. He is the best meal we can ever eat. Mm -hmm. Last book of the Bible is called Revelations because it's... Uh what God revealed to the disciple John when he was imprisoned on the island of Patmos off of Greece. 
It's a vision of what is to come, and throughout that book, throughout that vision, we see Christ. Why don't you close your eyes for a minute as I share a piece of that scripture, Revelation 3.20, with you. In 3.20, Jesus says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door, and I knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I'll eat with that person, and they with me. Okay, you can open your eyes now. Not only will Jesus share a meal with us, he is our meal. I mean, not literally, but figuratively, of course. The symbol of this bread and this juice, this, you know, body and blood. As we take in the love that he has for each one of us the one who gave his life. He is the best food and drink we'll ever have. So the question is now, if you haven't opened the door to that relationship, maybe today's the day. We pray today's the day. And what are you waiting for? It's going to be so much better when we have, when you have, when we have this anchor of Jesus Christ in our life. It makes all the difference in the world. So, you know, just say, this is what, okay, God, come in. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I, I'm just a mess without you. Thank you, God. And if you say that sincerely, you, you may not feel anything like at this moment, like you're going to like fall over or anything like that. But I guarantee you that there will be come some point in the next couple days where you'll go, huh, this feels a little different, or I see this a little differently, or this is like, I can handle this, I didn't think, and it's Jesus Christ in your life that makes all the difference. Open the door, let him in to your heart. And if you've already done that, are you experiencing the banquet that he has before us, the bread, the juice, the, the new life in Christ. It's something that I know I need to ask every day. Okay, God, come on in. Use me. Convict me. Let me kind of consume you, Lord, so that I might reflect you. That's what, as believers, we need to do each and every day. Do you feel sustained by the bread of life? We hope so. We pray so. Because the scripture says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you will ever eat. Mm -hmm. That's the good news. Let's believe it and let's live it. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.com. Church. You can also call our church offices at 
7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.